0: thanks for joining us. Today, Pastor Michael Heim will share with us a challenging and encouraging message from the Word of God. It is our prayer as you listen to this message that it will draw you closer in your walk with God and give you strength to walk daily in His grace. And while our children are leaving out, let's take our Bibles and go back with me one more time to John chapter 6. And we want to focus in on our main text this morning of verses 48 through 51 as we conclude uh, this morning our series on fresh manna that we've looked at over the last month. Last week we looked at the five attitudes of the unbeliever uh, or the five attitudes of the world or the five attitudes of our culture uh, who rejected the true manna that was given from heaven. And today we're going to look at the two positive attitudes of those who receive the bread of life. So, John chapter 6, verse 48, down through verse 51. I am the bread of life. Your forefathers ate the man in the desert, yet they died. But here is the bread that comes down from heaven, which a man may eat and not die. I am the living bread that came down from heaven. If anyone eats this bread, he will live forever. This bread is my flesh, which I will give for the life of the world. In John chapter 6, it seems like Jesus is doing all that He can to push the crowd, to push the people away from Him. So when we look at the beginning of this chapter, there's 5,000 people who will gather around the Lord, and He fed those 5,000. But by the time we got to the end of the chapter, there's only 12 men left, and one of them is not even a true disciple. So he's doing everything he can here. If Jesus is doing anything, he is issuing a call to commitment. He's calling his followers to not just follow him just from a head knowledge, but and, and to get what they can get from him and uh, to get their bellies full and all things of that nature, to feel what's in their flesh. Jesus is really laying down the gauntlet here. He is calling every single one out, and he is calling for everyone to commit to him And to Him alone. And so our text reveals that Jesus is clearly stating the truth about Himself and His ministry all the way through John chapter 6. And in John 6, verse 66, after the crowds leave Jesus, I want you to focus in there on verse 67. You can almost feel the heartbreak of the Lord... When everybody left Him, and there's only 12 left, and He comes down to verse 67, He looks at the disciples, and He asks them that question. You, you do not want to leave too, do you? Wow, one could almost hear the heartbreak there. But I think that was the point that Jesus was trying to do. He was trying to get it down, weed them out to just the few who are going to be the true believers. You know, we're living in an hour in our society today... Where so-called believers—let me put that in quotations—there are quick to follow Jesus as long as everything is going good, as long as they can have it their way and get their desires, and, and nothing. There's no commitment that's going to be beyond what it's going to be in the requirement of their own life. It's re- they have a lot of people following Jesus and claiming that, but when there's a call to commitment, these so-called believers tend to fall away. We shouldn't be surprised about that because we know that in the end times, the Bible's very clear teaching us about a bunch of scriptures that the Spirit says in the latter times, some will abandon the faith and follow deceiving spirits and things taught by demons. There's going to be those that profess to be Christian and they're not going to follow the Lord. They're going to follow these, these demons, doctrines taught by demons. They're going to have a form of godliness, but they're going to deny the power. There's going to be people like that. Paul told Timothy that people will not put up with sound doctrine; that they're going to gather themselves teachers to preach and to teach what their itching ears want to hear. That's the thing we we want to hear what we want to hear and not what the truth. And that's what separated the believer from the unbeliever. And in John, First John two nineteen, they went out from us, but they did not really belong to us. For if they had belonged to us, they would have remained with us. But their going showed that none of them belonged to us. So. While we saw the attitudes of the five uh, different types of people or the different attitudes last week, uh, them leaving one after another, this morning I want us to look at the two attitudes of the true believer. The two attitudes of the true believer. And the first attitude is simply this. True believers believe in the bread of life. Verse 26, Jesus answered, said, I'll tell you the truth. You are looking for me not because you saw miraculous signs, but why did they follow the Lord? But because you ate the loaves and had your fill. And notice what he told them, verse twenty seven, Do not work for food that spoils, but for the food that endures to eternal life, which the Son of Man will give you, on him God the Father has placed his seal of approval. Then they asked him, What must we do to do the works of God that God requires? Jesus answered, The work God The work of God is this to believe in the one he has sent. Last Sunday night, we had our WANA program. And their main verse that they had to memorize, and some of them stood up, and, and Jonah, he was having a time with it, wasn't he? He was having a time. But it's Ephesians 2.8, For by grace you have been saved through faith, not of yourselves. It's a gift of God, not of works. I want you to, i want to stress that a moment. Not of works, lest any man should boast. Salvation, according to Jesus, is not of works. But here in this verse, he's telling us that the work of God is this, to believe. That's the only work that we need to do in order to really have the bread of life. To really come to the point of of having this this eternal destiny with the Lord is to believe. That's the work that we do. Not of our own hands and our things. That's going to be merit on our part. But it's all because of God. But what did Jesus mean when he said the work of God is this, to believe? Now, I'm going to preach something so simple that you've heard it a thousand times from this pulpit and probably the rest of your life from other preachers. You've heard this. Don't let it skip off of you. I want you to tune into this because I believe this is what Jesus was dealing with. A lot of people following him for the right reasons. They love the Lord. They know the Lord. But yet they wouldn't follow the Lord. And just like in the end times, we have a lot of people professing Christ, I love Christ, but yet we don't have a lot of people really serving our Lord and doing the work of the kingdom. So what did Jesus mean? Did it, was He just telling them that I want you to believe that I exist, just a, strictly a head knowledge? Well, we know the demons believe that way, but they don't follow Jesus, so the belief then must meant more when He said the work of God is this, to believe. Because when you read John 6, nine times Jesus used that same word to believe. And this is what it means it means to trust in Christ. It means to place your faith in Christ. It means to to adhere to Christ, to hold on to it. It means to to persevere. It's talking, the sister word to this word believe would be the word obey. And see, when we believe something, that belief has to change your behavior or you don't truly believe it. It's just a head knowledge. It's not a heart knowledge. To believe in Christ is to believe in who He is. It's to believe in what He says. It's to adhere to Christ, to place our faith in Christ alone, to trust in Him to the extent that it changes my life. It changes my thoughts. It changes my heart. It changes everything that I do. It changes me from the inside out. It transforms me. The Word of God begins to transform me. So when someone believes something, regardless of what it is, that belief has to change them, and that belief results in some action or behavior that's going to be characteristic of that belief. So therefore, if my belief is in Christ, then I must have a life over here that reflects and backs up that belief. And see, this is what I really want us to focus in on. Because there's so many who are so quick to say, I believe in Jesus, but yet they don't have the life to reflect it. They don't even have the vocabulary to reflect it. I believe, but yet my life has changed and we've got to move away from that in this this day and age and and Jesus is weeding them them out one after another and the way he did it was with truth. People didn't like sound doctrine. They didn't like the truth of what they heard. To give you an example in a negative way to help us to understand this point, in the Quran, chapter 9, verse 5, the radical Islamists are instructed to kill the disbeliever. In chapter 8, verse 39, the Quran says, Fight them until all opposition ends and all submit to Allah. Now, that's their belief. And they believe it so strongly that they, now they have a lifestyle that backs up that belief. We're going to kill the un, un, infidel. We're going to kill the unbeliever until everyone submits to Allah. And we can see that in the world. So, in a negative way, we see what this word believe is talking about. It's a strong word of conviction. These people are set out because they believe it and they back it up with what they believe. That's in a negative way. You can see, can you relate to that? In a positive way. Let's put it like this. God came to Noah and said, "Noah, it's going to rain." Now did Noah say, "Well, God said it was going to rain and I believe it's going to rain, so well, therefore I'm not going to do anything about it. I'm just, you know, it's not going to pertain to me. It's just going to rain and I'm just going to live my life and do what I want to do." No. When God told Noah it was going to rain, Noah acted upon that belief. And he went and built an ark. Now, he wasn't saved because he built the ark. That was the result of his salvation. His action, his behavior now to begin to reflect what God said. So that's in a positive way. Practically speaking, how many of you believe in gravity? Do you believe in gravity? Yeah, you believe in gravity. Get on a bathroom scale and it tells you how much you weigh. Because that's gravity. That's the force of the earth pulling down upon your body, telling you how much force there is. Because we believe in gravity, none of us climb skyscrapers and jump off. Because we believe in gravity so much, we know the end result. That's practically speaking. We believe in that. And so we have a life that reflects that behavior. So believe, then, must be a verb. It has to show action. It has to have an object. I remember a couple of months ago, Brother Bob, you remember this? You were painting here in the nursery, and a young lady, the doors wasn't locked, and she just came in the door. And Brother Bob brought her down to my office and said, Brother Mike, a young lady wants to speak with you. I brought her in. Bob went on down to do the painting that he was doing. And she sat down, and I knew that she was going to ask for money. It was a benevolent situation. And I had told her from the very beginning, I said, young lady, I said, her name was uh, uh, Sarah, I think was her name. I said, Sarah, I said, I'll be honest with you. We're a church that helps, but we don't have a lot of money. And I began to tell her, I said, I quoted the scripture in Acts, and I said, you know, silver and gold, I have none. I said, but what I do have, I give to you freely in the name of Christ. And, And I began to get away from the money and just began, I said, I'm more concerned about your walk with God, your eternal life. And I began to talk to her about her eternal life. And when I, I can tell that she's coming from a hard life. And as we were making some small talk there and we were talking, you know, she was just tatted up everywhere. Just tats, just everywhere you look. And I'm curious about tattoos. Not that I'm going to get one. It's just I always want to know why people get them. I want to know their reasoning behind it. What's their motivation? Is the God's glory? Is it selfish? You know, just well, I don't know. And so I began to ask her about them, what they meant and stuff like that. And to me her tattoos was telling me her character who she was and as and I was trying to get to that point I was bringing out the character and I I began to tell her I said Sarah I said do you have a church home yes she did but you never went I said Sarah do you ever read your bible no do you believe in Jesus yes do you ever pray well when when we have when I have to and stuff like that and I'm just, just talking about all these things with, with Sarah, and I'm, just, I'm putting two to two together. And when, the point that I'm trying to make is this. Here is a young lady that told me that she believed in Jesus, that Jesus was important in her life, but yet physically, mentally, and spiritually, she was doing nothing to back up what she's saying she was believing. There's a lot of people that truly are like that. I believe in the Lord, He's important in my life, but I have no life that backs it up. I brought her in the office and sent her back, and I went in there and I began to run a background check. We do that, it's our policy on everyone. And she had a rap sheet that long. She believes in Jesus, but yet she has a behavior that reflects the culture and the world, and that not of Christ. See, folks, we have to move away from that. And I proceeded to talk to her about the gospel and witness to her, and she really didn't want that. All she wanted was the money. And when I told her that we weren't going to help her, where do, you, where do you think she went? I invited her to come to church. It's been two months ago, probably. She's never come back. People don't want to hear, change your life and come to Christ. They want to get their bellies full. And they want their, their, their world taken care of, and they want to go, but yet they believe in Jesus. The true church truly believes in the bread of life. And the true church will eat that bread and gain sustenance from it and it changes them from the inside. God changes my heart and when my heart's changed my thoughts begin to change. The way I think begins to change and when my thinking changes and my heart changes then my lifestyle changes. It's, it's a progressive action that goes on. So what's wrong with that picture when we say I believe in the Lord but I don't have a life that reflects it? What does it really say? We've got to we find the conclusion to that. Sarah's belief and her behavior were not one and the same. Now listen, if belief and behavior is not one and the same, then that means one is truly lost. Or it could mean they are so deep in sin they have to repent. But you cannot be right with God and know Him and believe in Him and live a lifestyle contrary to... To the Word of God. Yes, we can slip and fall. I'll talk about that in just a second. So many people say they believe in Christ. They make this profession of faith. And I think one of the most destructive things that has ever happened in modern Christianity is that we have preached an easy believism gospel just come to Jesus, just believe. And we we make them raise their hands. We make them come down to an aisle. We make them say this little prayer. Lord Jesus, come in my heart and save me. We may do it as a little child, a teenager, whatever. And then that's it. There's no more discipleship. There's nothing else in their life. They made that decision. So all their life now, I'm saved. I'm going to heaven because I said a little prayer. That prayer does not save you. Unless that prayer has changed your life. Unless your behavior now reflects that belief, you were never saved. Now, that's a strong statement to make because you're saying, well, Brother Mike, that's judging people now. I'd rather be guilty of judging and make people really contemplate their salvation than to give them the benefit of the doubt. I see too much of this easy believism. just believe in the Lord and make Him your Savior, but don't make Him your Lord. Lord means master. It means boss. It means ruler. And so we've got to get the true disciples to truly understand what it is to believe. And, and, and when they believe, then their life begins to reflect that belief. We move from just that profession of faith to truly a possession of faith. So to believe in Jesus, we can say, means three things. First, it means to believe in who He is. He is God incarnate. This is what Jesus was teaching in John chapter 6. He's the only Savior. He's the Messiah. He is the Lord. He is all those things. That's what He was saying. It means to believe in what He did. He died for our sins and He rose again from the grave. He suffered our condemnation in order that we might have eternal life. In order to be saved, I have to believe that. And thirdly, it means to believe in what He says. His word is truth and we must desire to obey Him. What is the sister to believe? Obey. To obey means to, to that we have acknowledged His Lordship and we submit To that authority. That's what it means. So when Jesus came to this crowd and he said, the work of God is this, to believe in the one he has sent. That's what Jesus meant when he said to believe. We all know this verse of scripture, don't we? For God so loved the world that he gave his only one and son. Whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. But read the next two verses. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. Whoever believes in Him is not condemned, but whoever does not believe stands condemned already because they have not believed in the name of God's one and only Son. Notice how many times Jesus said the word believe there. To believe to the point it changes your life, you can rest assured you have eternal life. To believe and nothing has ever changed, then you can probably rest assured that you truly did not believe. You might have said a prayer. You might have went to church. You might have even been baptized. But that behavior has to reflect that belief. So if we don't believe, Jesus said it, not me, but we, we are already condemned because we have failed to believe, to trust in, to rely upon, to adhere to Christ, His Word, and His life to the point it changes my life. So let me ask you this question. Have you personally Believed in the Son of God in the bread of life? And has that belief changed your behavior? If yes, praise God. If no, then you have to decide, well, is it because I'm in sin and I need to repent? Or is it because my profession was really not a true possession of faith to begin with and I just thought I was saved? So have you believed in the bread of life? The second attitude that we see in this verse is in verse 66 down through verse 69, that not only will true believers believe in the bread of life, now because my behavior, that's reflection of my belief, has so changed me now from the inside out, what's the next progression? I will follow the Lord. I will commit to the Lord, I would submit to this, His Lordship and His authority in my life. Now read these verses with me. Verse 66. From this time, many of His disciples turned back and no longer followed Him. You do not want to leave uh, too, do you? Jesus asked the twelve. Simon Peter answered, notice His answer. Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. We believe and know that You are the Holy One of God. That's quite a profession of faith, isn't it? What was Peter saying? You're the Messiah. You're the Lord. Your word is truth. We have nowhere else to go. You're the only hope. That's a belief, isn't it, that changes a life. Something interesting here to make a little modern-day preaching application to this, I want you to notice a few things about Jesus right here. Notice how Jesus didn't chase after the crowd when they left him. Did you notice how Jesus didn't offer another incentive and beg them to stay? Did you notice how Jesus didn't soften His message and to make it more attractive, more appealing, and more convenient by avoiding the the truth, by watering down? the you notice He didn't do that? Notice that He didn't care if the message offended anybody? Notice how Jesus didn't send His disciples chasing after the ones that walked away to give them a handout, to give them another chance or anything like that, to to come back for dessert. Oh, y'all don't leave. That's not what I meant. Notice how Jesus seemed to be okay with the thought that he was not very popular in his preaching style. Notice how many fans left him. Only 12 stayed and one was not even a true believer. A true believer follows Jesus Christ no matter how tough it gets or how hard it is to believe in what Jesus is telling me to do. That's an attitude that we have to have. Because my belief has changed my behavior, now my behavior is that I follow the Lord no matter what. When the disciples were asked if, if, if they were going to leave, notice who speaks up for the group. Peter began to rise up as a leader, and Peter said, Lord, to whom shall we go? I'm referring to all of us. He was even speaking for uh, uh, Judas too, but Judas was not a, a true believer. He believed in Jesus, but not to the point it changed his behavior. So Peter was expressing the total commitment... When he made that statement there, when he's saying that we know that you are Jesus the Christ, the Son of God, and you have the words of eternal life. Peter at this moment had taken a step that 5,000 didn't take. Or maybe they couldn't take it. The truth was too much for them to bear. They weren't ready for it, maybe. Maybe they'll get saved at a later date. We don't know. But at that moment, Peter had now taken a step that no one else really had taken. And and we see the connection here between uh, Peter believing in what Jesus is, now to following what Jesus is, to what he says, his words, to who he is. See, to receive Christ is to receive his word. To receive his word is to receive Christ. They're always to, to receive and to believe are always taken together, just like belief and behavior are always together. These two things come together. So Peter knew how life, his life had been changed. From this fisherman who was a hardened man, and now we see Peter rising up and making a, a statement of confidence, and he says, I'm not going to walk away, I have no other where, where to go. You are the one. Now we know that Peter walked away from God. We all go through that, don't we? We all make a statement of faith and we truly are believers, but sometimes life gets the best of us and we tend to walk away from God. Peter did that. Three times he denied the Lord. But Peter, a true believer, will follow the Lord though. Even in his denial, he still followed from a distance, the Scripture said. I'm still curious. I still want to know. It's not that he turned his back on God and walked the other way and never came back. He would come back. A true believer will come back. He's like a prodigal son. We're all like that. We're, we're selfish. We want our stuff. We want, to get, we want our money. And we want our world. And we're going to go do what we want to do. And God loves you enough that says, Okay, I love you. I'm going to let you go. Just in order that you can go find out that what you want is not what you need. What you need is already here. And when you get ready, when the, as the Scripture said in, in, in Luke, when He came to His senses, He returned to the Father. And see, that's the difference between a true follower and not a true follower. Yes, a true follower, we make mistakes, we sin, we walk away from God. But when we come to our senses and we realize that to eat in the house of God is much better eating on my own. It's better to be a servant in God's house than a slave in the world. See, once we come to Christ and we feel that powerful touch of God Almighty, once we have walked in His light and we have tasted the goodness of His truth and we have experienced that Holy Spirit within our life, we will never become satisfied with what the world can offer us. 2 Corinthians 5.17, Mike, quote it, come on. The old is gone and the new has come. We may wonder, but we come back to our senses. Jesus asked that question, do you want to leave? Sometimes, do you want to leave the faith? I wonder why people leave the faith. Is it because commitment's too much? Is it because the church is asking me something to do to serve in the kingdom and the church? Is it the truth is too hard to swallow? Is it because I'm ashamed of Christ in His name and and I just can't live up to the expectation of holy living? What is it that makes people just come to the point of turning their backs on the Lord and walking away? When it's so much better to follow the Lord? That's an attitude that we need. Y'all remember this old hymn, I Have Decided to Follow Jesus? Now look at that fourth verse. Will you decide now to follow Jesus? Almost like Jesus, uh, his question, wasn't it? Now ask yourself that question. Will you decide now to follow Jesus? No turning back. No turning back. See, John chapter 10 tells us, Jesus said, I did tell you, but, you're not, you, but you did not believe. The works I do in my Father's name testify about me, but you do not believe because you are not my sheep. My sheep listen to my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. And you know a shepherd can go out, and all the shepherds can bring all their sheep together. And if I was a shepherd, I could call out to my sheep and take off walking, and guess who follows me? My sheep. The rest of the sheep will not follow. They stay there. Sheep may be dumb animals, but they know the voice of their shepherd. And they follow their shepherd. See, so you hear a little bit later in John, just four chapters later, Jesus is saying, I'm telling you who I am. I am the gate. I'm the door of life. He keeps preaching the same thing. I am these things, but you still don't believe. And then Jesus says this. You don't believe because you're not my sheep. My sheep know my name. They know my voice. And when they hear it, they come. They come and they follow. When it comes to the bread of life, and the bread of life being Jesus and His Word, both, will we decide to follow Jesus? One chapter later, as I close out, Jesus said to Mary Martha, and I'm talking about Lazarus here, he said, Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. The one who believes in me will live, even though they die. And whoever lives by believing in me will never die. And notice that personal question. Jesus loved asking that question, didn't he? Do you believe this? Do we believe this this morning? He asked us the question. Now only you can make that decision in your, in your own heart. To those who need to make a profession of faith. Maybe you realize this morning, well, Mike, I'm like that young lady. I'm like like all the other examples you gave. I'm quick to say I believe. And Jesus means everything. But yet my life doesn't truly reflect it. I don't have a desire to pray. I don't have a desire to read the Word of God to eat the bread of life. I don't have the desire to come to church when the doors are open. I don't have a desire to worship the Lord. I don't have a desire to listen to worship music. I don't have a desire to witness and share my faith. I don't have the desire to serve in the church. I don't have that desire. But Jesus, I believe in Him. I've called upon His name. But yet I love to listen to secular music. I love to hang out with ungodly friends. I love to do things that's contrary to the Word of God. And I love that. See, You have to discern your belief hasn't changed your behavior. So therefore, there's no salvation, no matter what you said you believed. Your life, folks, your life, how you speak, tells you what your heart is. For out of the heart, the mouth speaks. Do I speak praise or do I speak cursing? Do I speak love or do I speak hate and anger? Do I speak forgiveness or do I hold grudges? Our life tells us where we are in our walk with God. So we have to discern here, have what I said I believed has not changed my life, therefore I need to truly come and do the work that God requires me to do, and that is to believe, truly believe to the point it changes my life. But for those of us that have made that profession of faith, and we, our lives have changed, we could be one of two things too. We could be that one person like Peter who walks away from the Lord. Maybe something happened in my life. Maybe a loved one died. Maybe I went financially in the hole. Maybe something happened that I'm questioning God now. And I'm angry at God. That's okay. If we ever get mad at God, tell God. He already knows anyway. Just tell Him. But get it off your chest that you can move on and not hold this down anymore. Maybe we just need to tell him, God, I don't understand why you're doing what you're doing in my life and I've questioned you, and i pulled away from you. See, a true believer will do that. But a true believer will always stay facing the cross and always follow the Lord and always come back to the Lord. It may be six months. It may be a year somewhere, but He will draw you back if you are a true believer. You will hear His voice, and you will heed His call. But there may be some that you're doing great. You made your profession. You lived to God's glory. Your life has changed. Keep on doing it. Never changed, never changed. So are we saved? Have we we truly believed this morning in the bread of life? We hope you have enjoyed Pastor Michael's challenge from the Word of God. If you have any questions about today's message, you can reach us at 903-759-4196 or write to us. We'd love to hear from you at 117 South White Oak Road, White Oak, Texas, 75693. For more information about Pastor Michael or White Oak Baptist Church, please visit us on the web at www.wobaptist.org. Come back and visit us again. Until then, God bless.